in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Right now, Skype is doing weird things, more weird things, because what's happening now is because of the coronavirus, major TV networks are using Skype for network communications. TV shows are doing it, like James Spader on Blacklist, the final episode of the season, they use inserts, they use animation, but the audio from James Spader's speech was obviously done with a Skype connection with a laptop or desktop using a laptop mic, the quality was so bad, and nobody at NBC or the production company seemed to realize, hey, the guy is a multimillionaire. Get him a decent mic. Oh, well. You can tell the difference, folks, when they use the laptop mic. Some are good. Some kind of sound like you're in a fog, which sometimes could be the logic of what they're saying, but we don't want to get into that. Last week, for example, we had a great show, not about UFOs. For people who don't like to hear UFOs every week, we had Chad Lewis and Kevin Lee Nelson. And... Randall and I noticed this, and after they'd speak, we hear all these weird noise artifacts. Remember that? Yes, I did. Did those come out in the uh, recording? Did you have to to uh, work your wizardry to get rid of those, or, or did they just not appear? Well, a couple did, but mostly I worked around it. But I'm listening to cable TV news just now before we connected. I'm hearing the same artifacts because it's part of problems you have sometimes with group conversations on Skype. So you know, in addition to the horrible audio quality, what's going on. But I think most of the people interviewed on cable news, I'm not talking, it could be Fox News, could be MSNBC, NBC, CNBC, CNN. These people have enough money to spend 50 bucks on a USB mic, I think. A lot of them are very rich, and they're using their laptop mics. That doesn't make sense to me, whatever. And you can tell the difference, folks. You listen, you'll know the difference between what we do here at the PowerCast, and most of our guests have pretty decent mics, or at least we help them adjust the sound. Kurt has a really good mic. Of course, Randall does. I'm using the Shure SM58 that they use, vocalists use them. I mean, I watch YouTube concerts with people like Paul McCartney, and a lot of these people are using this $99 mic. What we wanted to get into here is UFOs and pop culture. And as you'll see, if you've listened to Kurt Collins on the Paracast before, he knows a lot about such things. So let me give you an example of that, of something about pop culture, which will lead into our conversation. The site we're talking about is the saucers that time forgot, which, of course, is a play on the words of a movie called The Land that time forgot. In any case, or maybe not, he'll tell me I'm wrong. I was thinking here of, for example, Archie Comics. Now, there's a gothic version of Archie Comics on the CW called Riverdale, where, you know, it's like one of these graphic comics, all the dark stuff happening between Jughead and Archie and Betty and Veronica. But my two stories about it. One, when I was a kid, I used to go to the publisher's offices in New York City and buy the old issues. I mean, going back to the 40s. I had a great collection today, if I still had that collection in decent condition. Tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Guys, have you ever had collectibles that you foolishly gave up, Randall? 
me no i i don't think so if i did i don't know what they were but uh, then again i i hang on to all kinds of stuff i've got an old windows 98 computer that actually somebody just wants to buy this weekend because their younger son is into this retro tech stuff this computer that people would be would most people have thrown them either into the recycling or gotten rid of them by now, and uh, they want to buy this. It's the old beige computer with a beige CRT screen. Some of those old CRT monitors alone are worth three, 400 bucks now. It's crazy. I had an Apple color display cost like $1,200 when it came out in 1989. Kurt Collins, you're interested in pop culture. Are there valuable things that you gave up and didn't realize they could be valuable someday? Oh, lots, lots of them. And uh, well, depending on how you want to look at the uh, the misfortune of, of going into the collectibles business after high school, I, I just I had you know like six months of college, and I said, hey, there's this comic book uh, shop job is open, and I took that. And so I forget college. This is what I this is what I really want to do is have be surrounded by comics and science fiction and movie stuff all all day. So, uh, and then. Um, I'd lost a lot of the comics I had as a kid. I still had some from my teens and, you know, and I just learned what I had gotten rid of and or lost or had been thrown away, how much that was worth. And, you know, and so now a lot of time has passed since then. And so uh, it would just, for example, you know, during the, the Batman TV show, which was like when I was uh, first and second grade, um, those comics just because of the age and the popularity of the character, especially with the Tim Burton movie in 89 or so, those the, there was a huge demand. So so even the average comic from the mid-60s, you know, was was much more valuable. So and I had tons of those. So and it, of course, it's all gone. You know, I had some early Spider-Man and Marvel comic stuff. And just to bring you up to date, in those days, I even talked to these people. Like Stan Lee, I talked to him on the phone a couple of times. I didn't know he'd someday become a billionaire and appear as cameo in multi-billion dollar movies. This is like the early 1960s. Mort Weisinger, who was the editor for Detective Comics that became DC Comics, I talked with him. I talked with Forrest J. Ackerman, who did famous Monsters of Film, and I knew him casually over the years. Very, you know, occasional interactions, met him up at a couple of places. Really sweet guy. He had this great collection of horror and sci-fi memorabilia in L.A. But I don't know why we're talking about pop culture because of one of two things. First thing is Archie Comics. There was an issue of Archie Comics where they actually meet a real UFO investigator, Stanton Friedman. Any of you guys remember that issue? I, I do mainly because uh, Paul Kimball shared it on Facebook, and I, I would have never heard about it otherwise. But I, I have seen that story. Well, I'll tell you, how many of us could become comic book characters? That's awesome. Now, yeah. we're going to talk about the saucers of Time Forgot because of one item that just went up over the last day or two as we record this show about the author of Sam Spade and some vague UFO connection. What are we talking about here? So, uh, Dashwell Hammett, it, it was the author, and people should know him from the Maltese Falcon. And, of course, his character, Sam Spade, was, um, went on to have a, a radio show. And, the, um, and 
you know, any popular author usually is going to, their, their name is attached to it, but usually it's somebody else writing the same way with TV shows. And when there's a movie adaptation. And so there was also, uh, aside from the, the sponsor was, it was a wild root hair wool, you know, with some, you know, some antiquated, uh, beauty product for men that, um, like Burma shave. No one knows what that is these days. Well, I think I do know what Burma Shave is. I even used it. I use an electric shaver today. And for people who think I have a lot of money, I'm using a $25 Flyco, which is a knockoff of Norelco. And the thing lasts a year or two, so 25 bucks is great. And it gives you great shaves. So there, go ahead. Well, so so the sponsor, Wild Root, uh, put uh, advertisements in magazines and newspaper comics and it looked just like a Sunday comic strip in color. And one of them was uh, Sam Spade. Uh, it, it, w- it was the adventures of Sam Spade. I mean, it ran every week, and, and it was disguised in an ad. I mean, in the middle of a case, you know, Sam Spade would say, well, you know, I'm lucky I missed that bullet. You know, it's probably because they used wild root hair oil. <laughs> Let's go into that in a minute. We'll find some hair oil right here. I used wild root, by the way. More to come with Kurt Collins, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You know what's really smart? Wash your hands frequently, practice social distancing, and stay home if told to do so. You know what's really dumb? To ignore your immune system. Right now, more than ever, your health depends on a strong immune system. The experts at Immunicorp will give you their seven-step guide to immunity for life, free. Why? Because we want you to be smart and healthy. Simply call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunocorp has been producing the world's leading immune system products for more than two decades. To get your free seven-step guide to immunity for life, call 800-446-3063. 800-446-3063. Be smart. Don't ignore your immune system. Your life depends on it. Call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunityforlife.com.
7 million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The Hebo Tea Club's original Pure Pau de Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's ShopSuperTea.com or call 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That's very interesting, too, because in the early radio shows, 30s, 40s, 50s, TV shows, there was much more of a direct sponsor connection between the sponsor and the TV show, like the Texaco Star Theater or something like that, where, for example, Superman Lois Lane would sell you Kellogg's Corn Flakes because Kellogg's sponsored the TV show. You don't see that now because spots are put in there on a rotation basis. Go ahead. Wild Root. That was kind of a really greasy <laughs> yeah, it does. So, hairdressing, so they- wasn't it, Kurt? So they sponsored the the radio show. They they put uh, these ads that were that looked like comic strips in, in the Sunday newspapers. And one of them was Sam Spade in the case of the flying saucer. People read the article, but you know just just to give you an idea what this particular one was about. The the public is uh, amazed by this uh, silvery, uh, bright object that's that's over the city and and. and since you know it was like a seven panel strip uh sam spade finds it right away and his his female sidekick says what's that funny looking plane and it's got it's got a uh a metal silvery disc on top of it which gave it the illusion of the flying saucer and the guy was wearing a a skin tight suit and he was an eccentric millionaire they really didn't go into detail with the plot but he was it was some scheme to persuade the public to do something or other but you know he was he was put in a men, mental institution and, and that case was over but that was that was uh, Dashwell Hammett's character 
And, you know, Sam Spade is his most famous character. But that was that was kind of a minor thing. The the more important story was later the same year with this a, a lesser known character, Secret Agent X-9. Have either of you ever heard of him? Absolutely not. Well, he was later known as Phil Corrigan, but it was a newspaper comic strip. Dashiell Hammett and the artist from Flash Gordon collaborated on this. And he was um, uh, originally he didn't have a name. He was just X-9. He would sometimes use a, a code name or something. But um, so Hammett worked with um, the artist for a, over a year. But then he, then he left and was taken over by, by other people. And. By the uh, Mel Graff took it over in uh, the mid 40s. He did a story that came close on the heels of uh, Major Donald Kehoe's book, Flying Saucers Are Real, and Frank Scully's uh, Behind the Flying Saucers. And this story was much more interesting to, to UFO uh, buffs because it's it's probably the first dramatic depiction of a, of a captured flying saucer and alien bodies. And and X nine is a spy who's working for. They, they I don't know that they ever named the agency, but you know it, by by not doing it, it could be FBI or CIA and those kind of things, whatever the plot needed. So he was he was he was fighting enemy spies, and he was brought in by his superior, and and it, he showed him a room with uh, with two living little aliens, and then went on to show him a captured flying saucer behind behind glass in a laboratory. And, uh, you know, weeks went on. The enemy spies were trying to get, get the, the technology and the uh, the aliens, some of which were uh, living, some were dead and in, in tubes. And uh, it went on. It, it turned out to be a, um, you know, the details of the plot. I don't know if I should give away the story because, you know, that that's in there. But there was the, there was an element of propaganda and maybe manipulation of information. And I will tell you at the end of the story, the boss comes in and says, well, you know, everything's not as it appears. And X-9 thinks, well, so this is all propaganda to fool the enemy. And he says, well, hold on. Let me tell you what's really happening. And then the story breaks and it says a minute later. So the readers, I guess we didn't have the classification and clearance to uh, to get the answer. But X-9 is is astonished. And he said, I can't believe it. We wonder here how much they really knew when they published stuff like that. Because you put something in a comic strip, nobody's going to take it seriously. You know, I, I doubt they really had the inside information, but a lot of times, I mean, we have to give these people credit. These these artists and writers who, science fiction authors, they they can come awfully close to the truth just by paying attention to what's going around them. And if we're going to talk about pop culture, there was a a Superman comic in the '40s during wartime, and it mentioned an atomic bomb and some government. Uh, agents came up to the editors of DC Comics and said, hey, what's this about this atomic bomb? You shouldn't be publishing that. And so, you know, they were concerned they actually knew something about it. And, well, they didn't. They just knew. They they read Scientific American and the other journals and, and kind of put things together. And, they, you know, their atomic bomb in the comic was like pocket size. So it had no resemblance to the real thing. But but still, in in other science fiction and comics, they, they have come awfully close to what's really going on. Well, the one thing that we sometimes forget is when you get past the fantasy of the superheroes, a lot of these comic book writers are into pop culture. 
and writing about how people would react. And I think what made Marvel Comics so popular is they tried to show what happens if a normal person, like a high school kid, is bitten by this radioactive spider and becomes a superhero. So instead of worrying about his acne and getting along with girls, Peter Parker has to become someone with great responsibility. Because a superhero, the realism is that we're talking about an audience of probably late teens, mid-teens, and as they got older, they picked up reading it. But dealing with the realistic problems, people like that might have if confronted with something that is just totally out of this world. Well, yeah, you're exactly right on that. And Steven Spielberg did the same kind of thing with with most of his movies. He takes an ordinary person and they meet extraordinary circumstances and it's how they react to it and allows us as viewers to identify with it. Um, You know, some some of the uh, the the classic comic heroes, uh, they were extraordinary people before they got power some of them i mean superman came from another planet and say green lantern was a was a uh an accomplished pilot and you know they had already and batman was was rich he was the son of a doctor you know these were sort of these were the people that they had something going on before they entered the hero world and and um by having someone like um like spider-man or uh, you know a number of the other Marvel characters, some of those were scientists too, but they didn't tend to be as, um, well, they were more relatable to the, to the common man. And, and even, even the Bruce Banner, when he, Dr. Bruce Banner, when he turned into the Hulk, his career was ruined and he was basically, basically a homeless guy after that. Of course, the big thing about Superman, which made him very dull, in a lot of the stories, the fact that he grows up in Kansas, in Smallville, brought up by a farm family, a farming family, having, of course, the core American ideals. I mean, there's a line in Man of Steel where Superman tells this general, I grew up in Kansas. I'm as American as you are. You know, and that's a movie made in, what, 2013, where things like that maybe weren't politically correct. But that's the point. He was a Boy Scout. Of course, now they're trying to make a darker character. It's not like Bruce Wayne and Batman where the guy is psychologically damaged all his life because his parents were killed. We've got more to come with Gene, Kurt, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. 
I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Around the world, demonstrations are happening to demand justice for George Floyd, a black man who died after being pinned by a white police officer. WCBS reporter Corey James is in New York City. Protesters gathered on the streets and under trees along Central Park West in Harlem. I just pray that it doesn't stop after this week. We're here today to do our part because someone at some time risked their lives for us. There was a demonstration in Minneapolis where Floyd died. There's also a huge protest in Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. You know that we have to speak up loudly for more justice and more peace. This is USA Radio News. The mayor of D.C. has renamed a street that leads to the White House. USA's John Hunt has more. District of Columbia Mayor Muriel Bowser had Black Lives Matter painted on the street that leads directly to the White House, where protesters have been demonstrating following George Floyd's death in police custody. We want to call attention today to making sure our nation is more fair and more just. The mayor said that the people who painted it were all from the D.C. Public Works Department. President Donald Trump slammed Bowser Friday afternoon, tweeting, The incompetent mayor of Washington, D.C., whose budget is totally out of control and constantly coming back to us for handouts, is now fighting with the National Guard, who saved her from great embarrassment. Bowser also tweeted later in the morning that that particular section of 16th Street has now been renamed Black Lives Matter Plaza. For USA Radio News, I'm John Hunt. You're listening to USA Radio News. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American-made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Pop culture, UFOs, you never know. But let's just shoot over some of the other really fascinating things he has over the saucers of time forgot. And one's an article that came out just a few weeks ago as we do the show, UFO study programs and U.S. military technology. And what we're seeing here, Kurt, if I'm reading this correctly, is that 
the military was influenced by the reports of UFOs to try to duplicate their perceived technology? That's right. Now, a lot of people have written about the attempts by scientists in the military to duplicate flying saucers. But I wanted to go a little broader than that because it wasn't just a saucer shape that was important. It was it was what the what saucers could do, you know, their stealthy performance, the uh, electromagnetic effects, you know, the apparent, you know, which had weapons applications. I don't know if I mentioned the stealthy characteristic. They could evade radar. They could be seen and, and disappear. So. This connects with what we were talking about with with pop culture, because in science fiction, it is often predicted things that would come in the military. Before there were actual submarines, people were writing about submarines and and space travel and everything else. Usually science fiction gets there first, no matter what it is. And a lot of the science fiction has inspired real scientific developments. Some people have gone into science because they grew up reading a science fiction. You know, let me just throw one example at you before we go on. Jimmy Doohan, of course, a Canadian actor, voice actor who became Scotty, became famous for Scotty, appearing as Scotty in the original series, kind of sort of wrecked his career. He was always identified with this role to the end of his life. He wrote a book about it about his life, and the one thing that really, really kept him in it, doing the movies and everything, was the fact that time and time again he would meet engineers who would say, you know why I got into this profession? Because of you, because of Scotty. That's true, and there was a there was a special, it's, it's probably been five or more years back, but it, 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 uh, I can't remember the title of it, I wish I'd thought to look that up, but it was all about how uh, Star Trek had inspired people and some of the specific things. Like, if you go back on their show, they, they seem to have something that looks like iPads. Now, we can't say necessarily that the iPad was invented as a response to Star Trek. It could just be that's a logical pro- progression. It's useful. You know, one of the things that the communicators sort of predated uh, flip phones. There were, there were just a lot of things featured in the show. Um, you know, even the, even the sliding doors were something that were, was slightly ahead of the technology at the time. One thing quickly, there's a book called The Science of Star Trek that covers this. And when we talk about tablets, Star Trek Next Generation featured them. But you may not recall this, Kurt. 2001, The Space Odyssey also had them. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, absolutely. That, uh, in 2001, they worked closely with, uh, with uh, NASA uh, consultants to kind of make sure that they were grounded in reality. You know, there was, especially in that movie, there's, there's no sound in space. There's no, there's no faster than light drive. You know, if you go to Jupiter, it's a slow trip. The suits, the way they, they lived in there. But anyway, getting back to more to the, to the UFO angle. So, so UFOs, I went back and collected a, a number of things. Some of the early statements made as it they were putting together uh, was called Project Grudge at the time, but they were they were talking about the performance of these craft, and it's clear that it's something that they wanted. And the uh, the Air Force Division that that was studying it, ATIC, which that's in my article, I can't remember what it stands for now, but it later became known as the Foreign Technology Division. And one of the things they did during uh, World War II uh, was to capture enemy aircraft if possible, and figure out how it was built. They were trying to do the same thing, but they didn't have the advantage of having that, that craft. But there were there were a number of good engineers on hand. And there was one 
fellow, uh, Alfred Letting, he designed uh, a um, somewhat saucer-shaped craft. It was never actually built beyond the model stage, but it looked very much like a, a flying saucer, and he was he was involved in that study. And we probably wanted flying saucers, but we realized that one of the things they, they said about them was that it had to have a different energy source than we had available to us. And one of the things they speculated was atomic energy and that we just weren't ready for that. So they were working with the limitations of uh, the aerospace technology at the time. And but they were definitely the um, the lenticular form. That was something that was experimented again and again throughout the 50s. And. Another odd thing about it, I didn't really go into this so much in, in the article, but throughout the 1950s, they, there, were, there were a few things like the Avro car in Canada that, um, that the U.S. had contracted. And, and there was another one, the lenticular space reentry vehicle. So there, there were some actual projects. But there was also a lot of talk from the military about how we would have craft flying that could be mistaken for flying saucers. They were telling the, the public that. And they were probably also telling our enemies that. And it seemed like there really was a definite push to make people, possibly your enemies, think that we had flying saucers. Isn't that, of course, part of the whole theory about some UFOs possibly being secret test aircraft? Well, there's... Um, yeah, that was an early one. They were they were convinced. They, people, that was the favorite theory. But the the division early on, before the you know, extraterrestrial idea really caught on, was whose was it? Because the military was looking hard at it, and they knew that it wasn't ours. And you know, they were really worried the Russians had it. And and I think the Russians were also trying to play the same same game. I mean, they were they were uh, experimenting with, with aircraft. Uh, and saucer designs and releasing press. So they were, you know, was this a Cold War game? I mean, regardless of the reality of, of, of UFOs and flying saucers and spacecraft from other worlds, there's also this this propaganda and and I guess psychological warfare that was going on over the subject. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, if you... Uh all you have to do is look at uh, Nick Redfern's. Uh, he's got a couple of books that are right on that subject. Uh, one of them on the trail of the saucer spies, UFOs and government surveillance. Uh, yeah, so definitely UFOs have played a part in disinformation and intelligence operations. There's, there's just no doubt about that. And I'd like to know more about some of these. There, there, there's all these wisps of information that, um, but you know, little actual proof of things. I mean, I found a, and it's quoted in the article, but there's something from the '60s where a, where a Russian general is talking about how he wants um, uh, a. It, it, it's very much like what they were building as an Avro car. It was basically a hovercraft, but he describes it as a flying saucer. And they, they, there was a the, the picture in the article has a, the the army's idealized version of what they thought it could do. They thought it would be like a not as so much of a plane. It would be a, like a flying jeep. It would deliver uh, troops and weapons, 
you know, that was that was the goal. And, you know, it just the, the, the technology wasn't there. But, if, you know, if you look at the Avro car, one of the things I, I found in the article, there was a NASA uh, scientist who was who was trying to um, give it a wind tunnel test. And the the propulsion and the flight stability wasn't wasn't there. And this was if if people are familiar with this was a basically a car sized saucer, single pilot. And the man would, uh, in the, in the the two models they built, that they did, they did fly. They hovered, but it it wasn't stable. It would kind of wobble like a top that when it was about to fall. But it, it would it would rise maybe two feet off the air, and they never perfected it. But this NASA scientist who was analyzing, he, he said that it would have worked, particularly with the the fly by wire designs that came later. Avro car, more coming with Gene Randall Kircher in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Houseflies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon, you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps. The ultimate fully functional, off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now, 1-800-900-8407. 
We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-900-8407. That's 1-800-900-8407. 1-800-900-8407. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're talking about early efforts to create our own flying saucers, sort of like the Avro car. And from what you're telling me here, it didn't do well in the testing. It was never perfected, but maybe it was a few years ahead of its time. Right, uh, the F seventeen. They they used to call it the uh, the hopeless diamond, and you know there was some other nickname. But it was you know until they developed, it wasn't aerodynamic because it needed a particular shape to be, evade radar, and having computer control, then the pilot just basically control where he wanted to fly and not worry about the stability of the aircraft itself. And it had this Avro car had that it would have worked it would have performed adequately i mean it was still never flown like a flying saucer but it would have been a good hovercraft so so that was a that was like a mismatch the design was ahead of what technology could deliver at the time and i guess no one's seen the need to to make the combination and, and create it now someone else we might want to bring into this too is and not to forget was Paul R. Hill. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, he was a NASA scientist who had a UFO sighting himself. And it's it as UFO sightings tend to do with people. It made a very deep impact on him. And he spent the remainder of his career looking for ways to try to build them and duplicate their performance. Within NASA, he even acted as sort of a clearinghouse uh, for NASA, analyzing sighting reports uh, for their physical properties and propulsion possibilities and so on. I'll shortchange him in the article, but I did mention him. And one of the the things that he did was he became convinced the maneuverability or the control of the the saucer had to do with tilt. And so the one study that I looked at more closely was about how he had – 
I forget the name of the paper now, but but it was based on that principle that you could have a craft and I think he had a platform that a man stood on and just by shifting his weight, he could control the direction of flight. So, and of course, in the, in the actual, what he thought a flying saucer would operate, it would be done mechanically from inside rather than the gyrations of the, the pilot. But, but that was that principle. It was, it was the shifting of the weight, the banking and, you know, the, the motion, the sweeping motion that could be achieved. So he was a for real NASA scientist. Uh, it's very interesting that he was a UFO witness himself, and it certainly inspired his work. And I think, as I recall, his book wasn't published until after his death, which was a, which is a shame. Right? Yeah, unconventional flying objects. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, he did uh, create a flying platform. And there's even a video out there. If you look it up on YouTube, you can see these things in action, and they look pretty weird. They look like something out of Doctor Who, but they really work. Recently, too, we've got this. Now his name is escaping me, but he's put uh, five little jet engines on a pad and has been able to uh, make the flight across the English Channel. I think he had to stop somewhere in between to get some fuel, but he controls that thing by just tilting where he wants to go. And away he goes on this jet platform. Of course, there's Yves Rossi, who he was kind of the first guy to do that jet man. And he he's, was able to put little jet engines on his wing, uh, on some small wings. He built this in his garage, and uh, they were dropping him out of out of airplanes. And then he'd fire this thing up and just go taking off. And, and to steer, all he does is turns his head one way, turns his head the other way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just amazing stuff. There is a movie serial, King of the Rocket Men, from around 1950, where somebody builds this rocket suit. It's like a leather jacket, and he has a helmet. He pushes a couple of buttons and jumps in the air like Superman. They were using, this was Republic Pictures. They were using pretty decent flying technology. Also, another character who used this similar technology was Commando Cody and the Lost Planet Airman. But yeah, the rocket suit. Well, you know, I have to have to blurt this out because, you know, with, with pop culture and being a UFO nerd. So a couple of interesting movie serials. One is The Purple Monster Strikes. That had a, had Martians coming to Earth. There was a guy in a sort of, wasn't exactly a skin-tight suit. But anyway, once the flying saucer story hit, they uh, almost remade it and called it Flying Disc Man. And it was the first flying saucer it was a movie serial and unfortunately our uh, flying disc crashes in the first episode so you only have the disc man and not the disc itself for the rest of the movie if you look at pictures of it 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 resembles the flying wing that uh, kenneth arnold uh, described and that's purely coincidental but just just as a is a point of trivia but that was the first that was the first alien flying saucer movie. Uh, before that, there had been two others. One was Bruce Gentry, and it f- it featured a flying disc, which was like a remote-controlled missile that had the power to stop plane and car engines and stuff like that. And there was also something similar in a Superman movie serial. But but the, the first feature film was M- Mikhail Conrad's The Flying Saucer. And... 
the advertisements for it, they even use the tagline from uh, Major Kehoe's book, The Flying Saucers Are Real. And in this book, uh, in this movie, rather, there's a mystery up to a point, but it turns out that it's uh, a scientist created this this flying disc. And it it's uh, there's a basically a Cold War battle between the, the U.S. and Soviet spies for control of it. So so that's why it's more or less forgotten. It, it's not about aliens. So so just, you know, it wasn't as exciting to people. You know, had they made that movie and at least had a fake alien, then it would probably be famous. Now, I just should point out here a couple of things about the Republic serials. Republic had the best technology of that era in flying scenes. If you look at the 1941 movie Adventures of Captain Marvel, that's the character currently known as Shazam. But then was featured Tom Tyler, a B-movie actor. And the flying scenes were pretty decent. In fact, if you compare them like to the two movie serials with Superman, with Kirk Allen is before George Reeves took over the role, they wouldn't spend money to have proper flying scenes. So they changed it to a cartoon. Every time you see him fly, he'd become an animated character. But Republic Pictures, no, they had decent flying scenes for the era. Better even well, than the Superman TV series of the 1950s and probably not eclipsed until the Superman in the movie in 1978 in color. Just think about that. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, another nerdy bit of trivia. Those two movies, Bruce Gentry, and I mentioned the Superman movie serial that had the saucer. That was the same saucer. It was the same footage, and it was animated. So the first, those, it was, uh, it, it was a cartoon saucer in black and white inserted into a black and white movie. So I, I think audience might have bought it at the time. A modern audience is, is going to bust out laughing. So. Oh, it looked seriously bad because I think the actor who played Superman was a Broadway actor named Kirk Allen, whose career was totally destroyed after being Superman for two serials. The second of of which introduces Lex Luthor, by the way. But any case, he was a decent Superman. He had a better tack on playing Clark Kent as the nerd as opposed to George Reeves, but George Reeves had something that is only duplicated by one actor since then, which I'll mention. George Reeves had this twinkle in his eye, this great persona as Superman or Clark Kent, and nobody duplicated that, not even Christopher Reeve could duplicate that. Christopher Reeve was technically a much better actor. The only one who does is Tyler Hecklin, who's going to be playing Superman in the new Superman and Lois TV series. He has that twinkle in his eye that only George Reeves could do. One of those sad things since we're talking about Superman. I'm not totally nuts about Henry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I want to to keep talking about Superman. So now now who's the other actor that you were going to say? Well, I mentioned Tyler Hecklin. He came out of Teen Wolf and he was... Actually, a child actor in Road to Perdition with Tom Hanks. Look him up. He's a really, really good actor. Look him up. The new series is called Superman and Lois, where Superman and Lois are married with two teenage boys who oh, may or boy, may not have superpowers. And the person yeah. who plays Lois Lane, uh, Elizabeth Tullock, played the female lead in Grimm. If you remember that, where everybody, all these creatures suddenly change their face into folkloric creatures like werewolves and such and she was 
Well, the stars. Anyway, who cares about this? We're talking about folklore and UFOs, and we'll get into some more solid stuff in a moment. Gene Curtin Randall, who's probably wondering what we're talking about. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is before your time, isn't it, Randall? All this pop culture. But the thing is here, pop culture influences and is influenced by things. Now, of course, the ultimate almost travesty of how a UFO movie was influenced by a pop culture or a book was Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Pretty good book. Pretty good movie, by the way. B-movie. Kind of an abrupt ending. They had Ray Harryhausen doing his stop-motion animation. So the Flying Saucers and other special effects were quite good for the 50s. However... In order to do this, they needed or thought they had to buy a book, a real book with flying saucers in the title, thinking they maybe they had to license the name Flying Saucers. They bought one of Major Keo's books. I think it was Flying Saucers from Outer Space. And the first 30 seconds of Earth versus the Flying Saucers, as many of you recall, had kind of a straightforward presentation of UFO sightings before he got into the science fiction stuff. Keo did not know or was naive 
when he sold the book to Hollywood, realizing that when they buy your book, unless you have creative control, which few authors ever get, they'll take your book and change it completely. Maybe just use it for the germ of an idea and go beyond. He didn't think a grade B sci-fi movie would be made out of his book. And I gather he was quite embarrassed about it. He wrote about it in one of his books. Didn't realize what they were going to do. But at the end of the day, he was just naive. I mean, unless you have creative control, like the TV series, detective series called Bosch, where the creator of the character is one of the producers. So it is exactly what he wants. But in the old days, especially, you sold to Hollywood. Forget about what they'll do with it. You never know. I actually have that movie somewhere on an old VHS tape. I thought it was pretty good. It's been quite a while since I've watched it, but I do do remember that there were a lot of scenes of UFOs destroying national monuments, that sort of thing. In the end, didn't didn't they stop them with, with some kind of radar or something like that? A sound wave generator of some sort, I recall, that you basically, by spreading these sound waves and shooting them at the UFOs, you upset their propulsion system so they crashed. As I recall. Right, yeah. yeah, they had these like parabolic dishes that were kind of aim, aimed up at them. Exactly. But but it was actually pretty pretty good. And like you say, the special effects, I was when I was watching, I was thinking, wow, this was actually pretty good for back in the day because it's very, very clear. Not like blurry at all. And they, they made the saucers, the classic saucer shape with the dome on top, uh, like you would have seen out of the was it the day that Earth stood still or something? The day the earth stood still was nowhere near as good. Now, those of you who have seen the avatar that Kurt Collins uses for his site and, of course, his presence in our forums, that's the spaceman from Earth versus the Flying Saucers. So we know you like that movie, right, Kurt? I started using that that uh, avatar somewhat ironically because of what you said about uh, Donald Kehoe, the fact that he would have hated that. But... You know, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but there's there's lots of good parts to it. There's there's some uh, acknowledgement to uh, Foo Fighters in it. The um, the uh, the when people see that picture, they they say, oh, you who is that robot? Well, it's not a robot. The the aliens were like dried up aliens in inside this uh, containment suit. You know, they're from a dying world. And that that premise is actually in uh, Kehoe's book. It's it's something uh, someone had written up that they wanted to publish an article. He was actually a military figure who wanted to publish it anonymously, and he, he published it. But it was basically aliens coming from a dying world for the resources on Earth, you know, which has become a hackneyed premise in, in UFOs and science fiction. But, you know, it was f- fresh at the time. And so they happened to focus on one this, this scenario and not make a documentary probably as, as Kehoe wanted. But, but there's all the other a lot of good good things about it. I, if they hadn't had a low budget, had to knock this out in a short period of time, it probably could have been a much better movie. You see, they didn't want to spend a lot of money on sci-fi until probably Forbidden Planet, where it was an A-list kind of movie. Now, remember the so-called ancient beings, to quote the scientist star of the movie. Didn't they resemble greys to a large extent? Think about it. 
They did. They were small. And, you know, we only get a brief look at them and, and it looks like maybe they're shriveling up, ex, exposed to our atmosphere. But they were they were much closer than than anything we'd see in cinema for probably 20 years. When you look at all the pop culture, of course, the big thing about it is that it's a mixture. The UFO field is influenced by pop culture and vice versa. By the way, the scientist was played by Hugh Marlowe. Okay. And wasn't he in The Day the Earth Stood Still? I forget. I'm bad with names. But um, so the... uh, that that movie was interesting. It was it they they based it on a story that they they took elements of the story and put other other things in from um, some, uh, stories from amazing stories about uh, the it was called the Green Man. It was Numar who was a Martian who came to Earth and it, it was the power of his own body that could affect objects and and stop automobiles and you know he had this electromagnetic effect but he was sort of an emissary of peace and he was uh, as far as the things he did and his said and behaved and that was much closer to uh Klaatu in the movie than the Klaatu in the story uh it was a farewell to the master and by the way the 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 original story farewell to the master it did have a sort of a, a spherical or i think might have been tear shaped um, um, spaceship, although it wasn't really a spaceship. It was more like a uh, uh, transportation time-space device, not a, not a flying craft. Uh, and the, the trick ending in that was that he was called Nude in the book instead of Gord, but the farewell to the master, it was that that uh, the robot was the master and the, the human was his sort of disposable slave. I guess he was more like his instrument to communicate with this race. So it had a, and it didn't have this message of, you know, you need to live in peace and harmony so that you can join the, the galactic race. So all that, all that was, was new for the story in the movie and, and much more from this green man from, uh, Harold Sherman, who, if, if anyone recognizes that name, it's because of his work in the psychic field. And he uh, he had held conventions. And some of the people would, uh, like uh, uh, Jacques Vallée and uh, Jalen Hynek, attended his conferences. There was some overlap there in the, uh, the remote viewing community with the psychic field. So that's gone off into a, a weird a trivia tangent, but that's a connection I'll, too. I'll give you another one here in a moment. One thing though, the, towards the end of the movie, Michael Rennie, who plays Klaatu says that we created this race of robots, give them full authority over us to enforce the law. Now that is paying some respect to the original story, although twisted. The other thing to bear in mind was directed by Robert Weiss, who also did The Sound of Music and Star Trek The Motion Picture and was interviewed by Tim Beckley because he was very much a believer in UFOs. 
Yeah, I did. I didn't know that. I, I I read something about the the work that they put in the movie, and they they had teams going through pulp magazines looking for stories, and I think they seized on the Green Man without properly attributing it because you know they they had the other story. But that's that's really interesting because it now they definitely use some of the the um, things that were observed and and discussed by witness reports in there so it's got a good flavor and it certainly had so it not only was influenced by ufo reports it certainly was a huge influence on all that followed we'll go into uh, that in our next segment that influence more to come with gene randall and kurt you're in the paracast As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special 
DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, simulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll-free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Now, we have Kurt Collins. We talk about the sausage of time forgot, blue blurry lines, all that stuff. And we're talking now on influences of early motion pictures, some on the UFO field, certainly the day the earth stood still. Look at how Michael Rennie was dressed as Klaatu and think about the aliens seen in the desert and what they wore. He was somewhat of a savior figure, you know, and when uh, when George Adamski had his story, he met this spaceman in the desert who was uh, almost angelic and he had a, mes- a message that was somewhat similar to um, Klaatu's, it was that, that we should stop our warlike ways, and in particular, the atom bomb. He wanted to stop that. This is real obscure. There was um, Desmond Leslie was the British author, the co-author. We, we call him the co-author of Adamski's first book, but really, the, he had his own book, and Adamski had a book, and they were both short, and they, the publisher or someone had the idea to put them together to make a longer book, and they did kind of connect with a lot of the, the spiritual teachings and ideas of theosophy that, that Leslie had with Adamski's pretty much spiritual alien. So the, those packaged together real well. And Leslie went on to make a movie called Oh, I'd see. It wound up being on television first. I think it was later maybe released abroad, but it was called Visitor from Venus. And it even had, is it Patricia, what's her name? The actress in Daylor stood still. Patricia Neal, who was a very, very serious actress. For whatever reason, she agreed to do this movie based on Leslie's story, but it was incredibly similar. The main difference in the story, I don't, I don't think that the uh, the the alien, the man from Venus, winds up having a like a Einstein figure that he meets up with. But a lot of the other action is similar. And at the end of the movie, there's a scene where the other men from Venus come down, and you know they're insisting, you know, it's the same kind of thing about us not going to war and but there is a war scene and i think his sacrifice prevent, prevents it but patricia neal basically played the same character except she didn't have a son in this version but it was it was it was almost like 
you know how sci-fi does a knockoff of a popular movie? Well, this was a lot like that, except they actually had one of the stars of the movie in it. You know what? Interesting, too. One of the reasons they had a distribution issue, and this is from Wikipedia, was because of the possibility of legal action from 20th Century Fox. This was due to it being similar in plot to the earlier Patricia Neal film, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Hmm. It's it's not a great film, but if you're a science fiction buff or, you know, if you're interested in UFO culture, you definitely should see that one. Uh, one that I just heard about that I've, I've not seen before, it's called The Cosmic Man uh, from 59. You know, I, I thought I'd read about every UFO film out there, but this one... There's this sphere that's moved. I've just read a synopsis of it so far. And, you know, this this being who seems to, I can't remember if he's exactly other dimensional, but he, he's sort of a shadowy figure in the movie itself. But he's played by by famous uh, John Carradine, who's played everything from Dracula to, he may have even played Frankenstein in, in a movie. Uh, and, you know, his sons went on to be famous actors. Oh, yeah, every one of them. Every one of those Carradines, of course, appeared in something or other, had a career. John Carradine was one of the more interesting Count Draculas, not because of having an accent, which was, I guess, pseudo-British, but he was thin, he was gaunt. He looked like he could use an infusion of blood. But I think he was one of the more effective Count Draculas after Bela Lugosi, of course. Yeah, he was had a very distinctive voice and appearance. I think I remember seeing him play an Undertaker, which was funny because he looked almost corpse-like himself. I've seen him in, in just tons of films over the years, but I had no idea he had played an alien. So I've got to look this one up. The Cosmic Man. Oh, I wanted to, to go back to Superman for a minute. You know, it was really interesting to me. You said you'd met some of the, the people from DC Comics. DC Comics had a huge heritage in, in science fiction. Mort Weisinger, the editor, was a big science fiction fan. He was friends with, uh, you, you mentioned Forrest J. Ackerman earlier. You know, those guys were huge in early science fiction fandom. So was uh, Ray Palmer, who, you know, if, if your your listeners don't know who he is, he was hugely influential. He he uh, published uh, Kenneth Arnold, the first UFO Witnesses uh, book, and posted his account in Fate magazine. But he was uh, originally a science fiction author and, and later publisher. And so were the guys who created Superman, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And as, as early fans, they had a story an early story called Reign of the Superman. And he was a, um, it was, it was this bald figure and it wasn't the Superman we know that, but that, that term and that name stuck with him and they used it later. And one interesting bit about Superman, not only, and, and this, this only surfaced a few years ago, they, before they sold Superman, they basically had some sketches. They were trying to sell it as a newspaper strip. The first version of Superman apparently was not a being from another world who crashed in a spaceship. He was from Earth's future, and an aspect of that remained in Superman's nickname, the Man of Tomorrow, because originally he literally was. 
And I think the reason they axed it was because instead of Krypton exploding, it was the Earth in the far future being destroyed, and he was sent back. And they thought that was too depressing. So they decided, and, and as far as his powers, that all came from just the centuries of evolution. And he was a perfect man with all these great strength for, you know, from Earth's future. The thing also is that the original Superman, he didn't have as many powers as later on. He could leap tall buildings, but he couldn't just go up there and fly. That That's was right. He was, he was more akin to Samson than the Superman from the 60s who could move a planet with one hand. You know, That's, that's absolutely right. But, but so it's interesting, though, that you know, so in 1938, that was about the same time as the, uh, the War of the Worlds radio show. Um, they had created the character before that but couldn't get it published. And finally, Action Comics published it and so you had the story of a crashed spaceship that's found and you have an alien now he's a benevolent alien but you know he is in some ways um you know so it's actually his body that does all the things that you know it, it flies and has all these powers so he's sort of a mini ufo himself uh, but but these uh, so these science science fiction fans you know before flying saucers arrived were already at some of these these concepts you know because it was from a far advanced civilization you know with with the technology and everything else um, and so and in the fifties Superman was you know they they kept the same basic story he was and even the opening and it, the show debuted in nineteen fifty strange visitor from another planet that rarely we've, played into the story but it was always there as the intro we've got more to come with Gene Randall and Kurt you're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo wants to see the energy of the protests following the in-custody death of George Floyd in Minneapolis put into definitive actions. New York... Uh, should pass what we call the Say Their Name reform agenda. The proposed law would make police officers' disciplinary records transparent, definitively ban police chokeholds, make false race-based 911 calls a hate crime, and codify that the state attorney general must act as an independent prosecutor for all police murder cases. 
With huge protests in Washington, D.C., the Pentagon told National Guardsmen deployed in the Capitol not to use firearms or ammunition. Also, Defense Secretary Mark Esper ordered the remaining active duty soldiers who'd been on standby in the D.C. area back to their home base. This is USA Radio News. Former Vice President Joe Biden has formally clinched the Democratic presidential nomination following Tuesday's presidential primaries. Biden took on President Trump over his Rose Garden comments, suggesting George Floyd would think it was a great day in terms of equality. Touting better-than-expected May employment figures, President Trump connected that to George Floyd's death. Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying this is a great thing that's happening for our country. Former Vice President Joe Biden responded to the president. George Floyd's last words, I can't breathe have echoed all across this nation and, quite frankly, around the world. For the president to try to put any other words in the mouths of George Floyd, I frankly think is despicable. John Hopkins University finds new cases of COVID-19 are now rising faster worldwide. For the past week, there's been over 100,000 cases a day. You're listening to USA Radio News. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan. Another interesting thing about Superman, they reinvented him over the years. So, for example, the more recent depictions of Superman and Supergirl, the TV show, is that he gets his powers from the yellow sun. And this is depicted very clearly in the movie Superman Returns, where he flies into space in order to recharge himself. And they use the same logic with Supergirl. When she loses her powers, she is given radiation from the yellow sun like a battery, and she absorbs this energy. It's another thing about it. The other thing is when they did the movie, the Zack Snyder movie Man of Steel, It was somebody who was trying to find his place and didn't always do everything perfect. So in Man of Steel, the spoiler, the film's been out seven years, might as well mention, he kills General Zod by breaking his neck because it was the only choice to save people that he's going to kill with his X-ray vision. He has to kill him instead. So General Zod suffers from a broken neck. Now, if Arnold Schwarzenegger does it, we don't care. If Bruce Wayne as Batman does it, we don't care. But Superman the Boy Scout doesn't become the Boy Scout 
until the end of the last movie, Justice League. And for those of you who wonder, there is a so-called Zack Snyder cut or version of Justice League that will be on the HBO Max network. It's being used as a means to get you to subscribe. So they're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to redo the special effects, to take the footage that was abandoned and make a darker movie out of it. Why am I talking about this? But the key is here is that Zack Snyder's world, there is a conflict over Superman that you have this person with virtually unlimited power. What if he abused it? And that becomes a major part of the plot line of Batman v Superman, where Batman vows to do something to stop Superman because he thinks he could have the potential to destroy all of us. So Superman doesn't become a Boy Scout for a while in that concept. Yeah, that was a, quite a departure from the classic character. You talked about Superman being reinvented. I'm not familiar with the current version of, of Roswell, but the, the original Roswell TV show, you remember, had the, the teens and they were, they were aliens and they had some powers. And the Smallville show was actually somewhat of a copy of that or influenced by it in the early shows. You know, it was mysterious about where where he had come from and the nature of his powers were strange and it had to be hidden. But it was the flavor of that was very similar to that that CW I guess it was CW Roswell show. It, it's interesting how that evolved and eventually paved the way for all these these other shows. Now most of those are not um dealing with so much with anything extraterrestrial, but the the alien nature and him trying to find his place, you know, was was central to the early show. And I think it got more sensational and goofy as, as it went on. Uh-huh. But, I, I didn't like Smallville that much, but there was one thing when Tom Welling agreed to do it. He said no costume. And the only concession is in the final episode of Smallville, which I think came out almost simultaneously with Superman Returns, you do see him with the shirt. He opens his shirt and you see his Superman uniform beneath it, just the shirt. And there's a flying scene. And of course, the John Williams Superman theme closes it. That's it. But what's interesting here is in the CW, this is the ultimate geek fest here. They had something this past season called Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they have the multiverse, different versions of everybody, multiple versions of the Flash, multiple versions of Superman, multiple versions of different characters. So, for example, with the Flash, they show three different versions. One is Grant Gustin, who plays him now. One is John Wesley Shipp, who played the Flash in 1990 TV series. You see him in his original uniform. You had to lose weight for it, I think. You also have Ezra Klein, who played him in the movie version, meeting up with the guy who plays the TV version, which was pretty wacky. You had three different versions of Superman. You had Tyler Hecklin. You had Brandon Routh, who played him in Superman Returns. He plays an older version of Superman in the TV show. And you had Tom Welling, who plays his Smallville character grown up with wife and kid who gave up his powers. But you have three versions of Superman. Tell me that isn't pretty wild and wicked. It is. And, you know, that's a, that, that's one of the 
the themes that DC used from science fiction about parallel universes, and they worked that into the comic series. And it's interesting that they that could have been confusing for the television audience, but it's interesting that they brought that in. But it was a it was a big story. Star Trek had their um, their mirror universe. It's always interesting to see an actor play a variation. Uh, you know, the the classic evil twin is kind of dull, but when it's a little more sophisticated and a, a well thought out rounded rounded out world uh, and to see the, you know, if did they trade places to see <laughs> if there's any core of the character left, that can be interesting. Well, in the TV series for CBS All Access, Star Trek Discovery, the mirror universe is a big part. But in Crisis on Infinite Earths, that's a TV version of the comic book series where they try to merge all or most of the multiple universes. So suddenly all the realities change. And just one final point before we get away from comics. Of course, several different actors have played Lex Luthor, Michael Rosenbaum on Smallville. Of course, we remember Gene Hackman or Kevin Spacey. Lyle Talbot played in Adamant vs. Superman. He played Luthor. He was also a featured player on Ozzy and Harriet. So he was a well-rounded character actor. John Cryer from Two and a Half Men playing Lex Luthor. And you know he's damn good. He's one of the best of all of them. I mean, there's some scenes there where he just chews the scenery with every one of them. Pretty horrifying, evil character, John Cryer as Lex Luthor. But I think what we're talking about here is the fact that we have this cross-pollination. Reality in the comic books, the comic books in reality taking scientific concepts and trying to expand on them, such as having the multiverse. But then we can talk about UFOs and think of the same thing from the future, from alternate universes, things like that. Faden did a version of Flash Gordon on TV, I think for the Sci-Fi Channel, where to go to the planet Mungo, he doesn't fly in a spaceship. He goes through a dimensional portal. I hadn't seen that one. That that's interesting, though. I mean, that's a lot of people do find the uh, the the possibility of aliens to be more realistic because it eliminates all the distance problems and things. There's still an energy problem, but you know, I don't know how we would possibly make that work. But it 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 sort of makes some of the appearances and disappearances plausible, but it it is a little bit too much like magic for some people's tastes. Of course, I also wonder here, if our governments are faking some of these UFO cases, and we'll get in, let's get into that here. Of course, there's Cash Landrum, whether that's a government experiment. And Nick Redfern mentioned that briefly in our last meeting with him on the show, and he has this book out about Rendlesham being a, a government test of some sort. But whether that influence is there, that we have tried to do things with our own technology to emulate what we think UFOs are, but how many UFOs or even abduction cases are actually government experiments because they've done some pretty wacky things or pretty nasty things. And we can talk about a few of those projects, and we have. But since Kurt Collins is somebody who has really, really, really poured into the Cash Landrum case, I want to ask him in our next segment, and that kind of outgrows from the pop culture. 
Possible that was all some kind of government experiment gone wrong? Gene, Kurt, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with longevity. TeamGaday.com. Houseflies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today. You know what's really smart? Wash your hands frequently, practice social distancing, and stay home if told to do so. You know what's really dumb? To ignore your immune system. Right now, more than ever, your health depends on a strong immune system. The experts at Immunicorp will give you their seven-step guide to immunity for life, free. Why? Because we want you to be smart and healthy. Simply call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunocorp has been producing the world's leading immune system products for more than two decades. To get your free seven-step guide to immunity for life, call 800-446-3063. 800-446-3063. Be smart. Don't ignore your immune system. Your life depends on it. Call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunityforlife.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative 
to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We start with UFOs when the pop culture back to UFOs kind of sort of here. Cash Landrum, Kurt, test okay. of some sort? So just in case anybody's lost, <laughs> uh, there was a, a case in December 1980, uh, two, uh, two ladies, uh, Betty Cash and Vicki Landrum, uh, both in their 50s, and Vicky's grandson, seven-year-old Colby Landrum, and they were they were driving along a country road, came across a, a giant, bright and flaming UFO in the road. And after the encounter, it it eventually left, and they also witnessed they they described it as being twenty-three military helicopters. And that night, Betty Cash felt ill and eventually was hospitalized. She did have physical symptoms. We know that. We can't prove that she saw a UFO or that the UFO was the cause of it. But uh, a lot of people have been convinced that what she had was radiation sickness. uh, And there was symptoms to a lesser degree described by the other witnesses. And the witnesses themselves, once they saw the helicopters, being persuaded that that the government was involved and that maybe it was a military test. And if it wasn't, the military knew about it and was pursuing the UFO. But their initial they were persuaded that it was government involvement in the case somehow and probably some kind of test. They eventually tried to have a, a lawsuit to get damages to cover her medical expenses for their suffering, things like that. So that's, that's the basics of the case. There's a lot of in and outs and other details. Um, so the witness themselves thought it was a military test. Well, someone else really pushed this idea, and it's disturbing who it was. It was Richard Doty, who's one of the biggest blights on ufology of all time. It's starting in the late 70s and and into the 80s. He was spreading all sorts of information and bad information about UFOs and also encouraging false information when he didn't spread it himself. And one of the things he said about the case was that it was it was from oh, I've forgotten now which which base, but some somewhere out west and it was it was a test craft with, that was um, used uh, nuclear energy, and that went out of control. And it was, uh, I think he said that they, at least in one version, was that it that it eventually was ditched in the ocean. So it was a, it was a malfunctioning vehicle that, that made him sick. And then in a later version, he said that um, part of the Paul Benowitz story, which was 
that that's a long story that I don't really want to go into here. But he was a man that was essentially driven mad by his obsession with UFOs. And Richard Doty encouraged him in that because he was near Kirtland Air Force Base and he was observing some of the base activity and thought it was connected with aliens. And and Richard Doty supposedly in his job as an Air Force Special Investigation Office of Special Investigation Investigator, he um, misled Benowitz to throw him off the trail. And one of the things he told him was that the Cash Lantern case involved a an attempt to duplicate a UFO. Uh, an alien spacecraft, but we didn't have their propulsion, so we're using nuclear energy. So it was, in essence, a hybrid craft. So that was another version, you know, where it was basically the product of a treaty with aliens. And he later went on this this infamous show, UFO Cover Up Live, uh, under the name Falcon, with his voice disguised and in silhouette, and told the it was a, a recording played for the witnesses. But he said, yes, our government knew about it. They were involved. And it was this alien hybrid craft. And the fact that he pushed it so relentlessly, I don't know if he had an agenda or he just wanted to insert himself into it. But the fact that he was after it and that he was so, well, I don't know, we want to call him sinister or just dishonest is clearly what I feel about it. It makes me think that there couldn't be too much to that. But the witnesses themselves, before he got involved, believed that uh, to their dying day. So, you know, we can't rule it out just because this guy said so. But he, he's muddied everything else he touched. And <laughs> I think he, I think he's I think he has persuaded a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that's strange about about UFOs or really anything else, I mean, it, the Bible stories you hear as a kid, that that's sort of the foundation. And whatever else you hear that contradicts it, it sounds wrong. The first version you hear is the one that you want to believe, even if it's not true, whether it's Santa Claus or anything else. And so... And the fact that he got that story out has made it really hard for people to consider other possibilities. We had Rick Doty on the show with Randall and I, March 18th, 2018. I wouldn't say you should take this guy seriously, and we don't really. But he's quite a storyteller. He's very good. He obviously knows how to handle himself on the air, and he answered our questions and he gave us his version of things. But then when you talk to a guy like that, what did he make up? After all, if he's telling you all these secret things he did, you think the government would clamp down on him. But he may have been a loose cannon and just put out there because he deflects what's really going on. Or we could be even be more sinister about Doty, which is he's a deliberate plant to get out there and make confusion about everything, therefore hide some real stuff. What do you think? Do you think there's any deliberation or anything legitimate, legitimate about him, or he's just an old guy trying to tell fancy stories? Well, uh, so Bill Moore was an associate of his, and supposedly he was Bill Moore's handler. And Bill Moore, just as a remind anyone that, that, that may need it, he was the, the researcher that wrote the first Roswell book. And 
they became um, some of the some of the material like the MJ12 documents promoted Roswell, and Bill Moore was involved with him in, in spreading some of this cash lander material too. But what I wanted to say about Bill Moore was that he he's the one that really helped introduce the term disinformation into the UFO community. You know, it's it's originally a Russian word, and and the concept is that you. You plant this idea, and there's enough truth in it that can be checked out, and then there's this unverifiable information, and it'll, you know, when when you check out the truthful part, you're more likely to believe the lie that's tacked onto it, and so Doty had a great opportunity to do just that because he was uh, in in the Air Force and he was involved with with some people and some some real secret elements and programs. And he met all, lots of lots of UFO people in the UFO community at, at a high level. He, and, and later on, he became friends with Hal Putoff and Kit Green and all these people who, you know, the, the probably the name Aviary might might know people might know that. Um, but he had, so he had access to some classified information. He knew some of the secrets of Kirtland base and probably some of the things with stealth technology. So I don't know. I've never figured out whether or not what he had done was sanctioned. It seems like it would be very strange that, uh, if, all this work was classified at the time he would be talking about so freely now. So I'm, I'm more of the opinion he is. I know some people believe Bob Lazar. I'm not. I'm not one of them. I think he's more in the Bob Lazar and the Phil Schneider camp, where you have someone who's made up a lot of things. But this particular fellow, Rick Doty, did have uh, the Air Force rank at one time. Now he was also later demoted to something like a like a meals assistant and worked in the mess hall, which is a really strange thing from a, from an air force investigator to go from that, from one role to the other like that. So, you know, I, I don't know how much uh, lower a demotion he could have had, you know, without actually being fired and stripped well, of his rank. That may explain all these things. The fact that he was pulling these stunts and they said, okay, enough. Enough. Let's just let the guy finish his 20 years or whatever number of years he worked. And then he could become a civilian and do what the heck he wants. And they don't have to worry about him. But maybe that's it right there. The military regarded him as a crazy person and stripped him of his rank because he did things that they didn't like. Rick Doty. But listen to the show anyway. It's certainly an entertaining Episode. Don't take this guy too seriously. The people you take seriously are people like Kurt Collins, who does his research, has a respect for facts. I'm buttering him up, but it's true. He's also <laughs> going to do. He's also going to do our stinger right now with Gene and Randall and Kurt. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy 
We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal Hair Care System is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You see what I mean? Straight ahead guy, Kurt Collins, blue blurry lines and the saucers that time forgot. When you came well, up with a title, you and your co-author, <laughs> did you think of the movie The Land That Time Forgot? Uh, well, I did, but you know that was there was a book before that, Edgar, Edgar Rice Burroughs. I thought it was a good way to, you know, in in the movie, it it, it is a prehistoric land, and I, I kind of liked it. Just evoked the right mood for me, so. Um, and, you know, maybe we should have picked up something shorter. Maybe we should have said UAPs that time forgot or something, UFOs. But, but <laughs> I, just, anyway. Yeah, that really is going to improve it, right? The UAP. <laughs> uh, you know, that, okay, now you've just really picked on a, a sore spot with me when it comes to that. Just before the break, uh, you guys were talking about Rick Doty, and, and he was the focus of a film by Mark Pilkington and John Lundberg called Mirage Men. Now, what, what do you think of that, Kurt? Was, is, do you think that's a pretty good uh, portrayal of what was going on with him? I, I haven't watched the film in a while, but I rem- I've watched it several times. And I happened to buy the uh, the expanded edition. with. There's a bonus disc with 22 scenes. And I think there might have been some with Doty. I just I reviewed some of the non-Doty parts recently. But one of the things they talk about is Project Serpo, and he was involved in that. And for people who don't remember that, it was um, it was uh, something about a, a, an alien human exchange program. And 
you know, we've talked about a bunch of old science fiction, some of which is bad and some isn't, but this was pretty bad. It was, and the plot line was like some, you would expect maybe like an eight-year-old child to, to write about aliens. It, it was just so unsophisticated. I think they, they, they may have cheated and opened up a physics book to throw a few lines of that in there to make it more convincing, but it, it was awful. And the movie doesn't deal with Serpo that much, but mostly it's the, the Benowitz story that I've referred to briefly and, and all the, the disinformation um, so one of the people he he came up with this package of MJ12 stuff to uh, to uh, Linda Moldenhow, and 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 it was it was so bizarre because it was basically uh, asserting that uh, that Jesus Christ was one of the aliens that had come here to serve as a teacher, and it promoted the reality of Roswell, and he also. The uh, the lawyer Peter Gersten, who was attached to the Cash Lanham case, he mainly did the paperwork and not the actual court work, of which there was very little. But he met with Rig Doty, and Doty, with uh, I think he actually had him come on his base, which helped establish his credibility. And he told him all you know similar things about about Roswell and other things. And I don't know how much he told him about the Cash Lanham case, but. Uh, he was dropping all these things like um, Project Snowbird and I, th- I think Red was it Red Box. I can't think, but even some of those terms made it into Peter Gersten's attempt to get information out of the government in relation to the Cash Lantern case. And so, whether it was a deliberate red herring or accidental, uh, it did sort of derail the effort to get to the truth of the Cash Lantern case. But you the, the the some people actually watch that film and they're they think that Doty is sincere when he says that he was doing his service to the country and that you know, this is what the government had asked him to do was to persuade Benowitz to that this was alien and and to stop investigating the the base, or just you know, to throw him off the scent of the fact this was uh, U.S. technology being tested. Um, but you know, he admits some parts to this so freely, and he claims friendship. But you know, a charismatic liar can sell you any story. So, well, what I, I do know. you think? Do you do you think that this was our own technology that Benefits was uh, accidentally? observing and and picking up on his systems or do you think it was actually something alien and they're using Doty and uh, the base and secret technology to cover up the real thing like which one is it oh boy well so now see I don't have great direct familiarity with with this but I happen to know um, Christian Lambright who is a friend of, of Benowitz and I've heard his version he's convinced that that there he did film some things that were um, anomalous, and uh, Greg Bishop, who's written Project Beta and spent a lot of time investigating it, uh, he's he's much more um, of the opinion that it was um, that it was strictly conventional material, probably. Uh, not only signals intelligence, but some of this may have been relating to uh, drone testing and things like that. And in, in, in the um, uh, around 1979, you know, 80, and, and around that period, uh, it was happening in the Southwest. That, that's possible. I don't know if that's all connected to that, but um, the one thing that that persuades me 
that that probably Paul Benowitz was on the wrong trail was even before Richard Doty was involved, he had been obsessed and had become somewhat emotionally disturbed. So uh, I think he already had a problem. And I think Richard Doty's influence pushed him further into this, became more secluded, more paranoid. But I don't think he created it. He exploited it. And so, but but the real, the biggest question to me is how much of this was actually sanctioned by Air Force superiors and how much of this was Doty. I think Gene used the word gaunt maverick. And I think I think there was I think it started off as an assignment. He may already had an interest in, in UFOs. And I, I think we, we talked about this before when we were uh, had a discussion about that. I liken some hoaxers to uh, arsonists uh, in that they want to this destruction and they want to see what's caused. I think that's kind of the personality that Doty may have. He just he, he, and. He he is 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 like an internet troll who really has no positive goal. He wants to upset people, to mislead them, and then see them get into argument, and he gets to watch and laugh. That, that's that's my take on him. Well, it's certainly a way to hide information in a sense about UFOs. You flood the airways with nonsense. You know, we talk about fake news, and if you look at any topic nowadays, there are people with wacky rumors about things, and you have to try to separate the wacky rumors from the real stuff. And obviously in the UFO field, this probably goes on quite often because you have people looking for glory. People like a Rick Doty, who may have been discredited but still goes on. Then again, if we want to be conspiratorial, I will. What if Doty was demoted from his original rank, not because he did something funky, but to give the impression that what he said wasn't to be believed, so he could say anything he wants, truthful, but people would look and say, oh, it's Doty, he's making it up. That's really conspiratorial. Well, you know, I don't think that's true. But to play along with you, so sometimes when you have this, someone they want to put in place as an undercover cop, they put them in prison to, to in work a backstory. So they actually have a prison record and they have this name and, you know, the rap sheet may be phony, but the prison record to some extent is real. So if we're going to believe that these people are, are, are doing some of this real counterintelligence work, that's plausible. But then again, that raises the big issue here, too, which is if you're going to do this counterintelligence work to gauge public reaction, psyops, whatever, or just to hide what's really going on, is this how they do it? And if we expose what they do, what difference does it make? Because we don't know. It's not as if someone's going to say, well, yeah, we hired Doty to be a disinformation agent and this is the kind of stuff he does, as opposed to conveying the impression that he's just a wackadoodle. You like that? Wackadoodle. Uh, the late Long John Ebel said, wackading hoy for crazy people doing crazy things. We're not crazy, I don't think. Gene Randall, <laughs> encourage her in. The Paracast. Yeah. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So, you're wearing a mask every day now? Yeah. Where are you getting them? Same website where I get my neck and body wraps, sunnybay.com. Really? And they're handmade, just like their wraps in the USA. Oh, and good quality? Oh, very good. These are disposable face masks, and they make cloth face masks, too. Good price? (laughs) That's the best part. Ten masks for only $6. Wow. As a public service, SunnyBay.com is now making cloth face masks by hand in the Seattle area and sourcing disposable face masks with level one protection at SunnyBay.com. Get a 10-pack of high-quality disposable face masks for only $6 or choose a handmade, washable, reusable cloth face mask with high two layers of quality cotton fabrics. Supplies are limited. Get details and order at SunnyBay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Go to Sunny-Bay.com for disposable or cloth face masks. Just click Sunny-Bay.com. That's Sunny-Bay.com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off the grid mobile survival bug out house that's well equipped and custom built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. Nikki, great product. Have to try it for a few months to see results. After taking Extendivite for about six months, I have noticed improvement on the numbness of my hands and wrists from carpal tunnel. I will continue to buy the product. Ken Peaks, five out of five stars. Works as advertised. This formula is very powerful. Be careful to follow directions. I am feeling much better. My heart rate and blood pressure has stabilized and my lower edema has reduced. Lower leg pain due to blood clots has disappeared. Thank you. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend this is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Personally, Kurt Collins, how much of all this stuff is deliberate government engineered nonsense as opposed to private lunatics? I would love to know exactly the answer. I've chipped away at some things. So I've got one example for you, and it's not strictly alien, but there's an alien word in it. So uh, the, I'll try to keep this brief, but because because this is a proven example that we have testimony and even pictures of. So this was, I mentioned the uh, the stealth fighter earlier. Well, when that was all secret, they were trying to train the pilots, keep them trained, but they only wanted to fly the planes at night. So they had these, uh, these A-7 planes, and they outfitted them with um, a transponder, because the, the plane, as far as the pilot actions and the handling, was similar to that the F-117. So that's when they use that for daylight flights to keep the guys sharp. But the men themselves, the pilots, they were under security. So they had this. So why is this this old plane? Why is this in a secure facility? Why is it guarded? So they came up with an excuse and they d- decided that they had a uh, an invisibility device that was being tested that happened to be atomic powered. And the nickname for it was the Klingon cloaking device. And they let that leak. So that was an excuse for anyone that wasn't in the loop why there was all this security and secrecy that, um, you know, and you're not supposed to talk about this. And uh, so there's actually a, a photograph of this in, in the the uh, the Arab I'm not sure if it's an official museum or just the base of this Klingon cloaking device. And it's this black cylinder and it has the words printed on it. And there's this atomic port on it. And it's been mentioned a few times. I think it was in Ben Rich's book. It's in another book, uh, Memoirs of a, a Stealth Fighter. This was a deception. It was deliberately leaked as a cover story. And is this the same toolbox? Is this the same kind of methods that they use as distraction, a deception and a deliberate leak to put people off the off the trail? And I think that it is it's sort of a it's probably a Mirage Man style trick. And something else that's that's come up and this is plausible. This is not something we can prove, but I've heard this mentioned. It's plausible. And that is that occasionally these UFO rumors leak just for the sake of of tracking where the information goes. You know, if a secure person, if a, a person with classification lets tell someone else, they, they want to know, is this going, you know, does this reach the Soviets or, you know, in the 80s, it would have been the Soviets. I don't know who they'd be worried about now. So that it, it, it's basically, it's like a marked bill, except it's information. It's something that you can trade and it gets in the hand of wrongdoers. So that that's one idea about this. That makes more sense in a way than just making something up to pollute and confuse the public. That has a specific purpose. And most of the things the military do is confused as they are and the mistakes they make. It, it is a purpose. When they when they build the stealth fighter, it was to do a specific job. And, and these other planes, they, they, they had reconnaissance missions or, or bomb missions. It was something really solid. It wasn't like they were... They, they weren't just build, building a cool plane because they had millions. There was, they had to get funding for this. 
and some of the things wound up being, you know, really amazing and, and uh, secret for a while, usually not very long. So that's one of the things, just to pivot on that secrecy point. So in the case of the cash lander incident, if it was a test, a test craft, there has to be funding for this. It takes usually years to build probably thousands of people, at least a support staff of hundreds. And it's very difficult to keep all that secret. And in, in the case of the stealth fighter, they really didn't. There were leaks. They managed to keep the, the secret out of, of the eyes of camera. But you word got out. They knew they were building some kind of plane, but just not exactly what and when and its capabilities and technical specifications. So I think I answered part of your question. So, so what else were we, uh, did we need to examine there? I'd like to just jump back to some of the, the pop culture references and one that we missed. I don't go quite as far back as you guys do with things, but back in 1967 and 1968, there was a television show that I was just absolutely fascinated with called The Invaders that starred actor Roy Thins, who portrays uh, an architect, David Vincent, who stumbles upon a plot by space aliens to invade the Earth. And it's got all kinds of these early ufology archetypes and tropes. There's like the flying discs, of course. Those were based off the models from Adamski. Well, Adamski claimed they were real, but of course... You know, other people have since debunked that, saying, well, that they, they conform perfectly to like a chicken brooder lamp. And uh, the Rex Heflin photo, you've got other things like ridiculing UFO witnesses, diagnosing UFO witnesses as mentally disturbed, aliens abducting humans and experimenting on them, and aliens posing as human beings. And when the aliens died, their bodies would glow red and burn up along with their clothes and anything else they were touching, leaving little more than traces of black ash, which is very reminiscent of spontaneous human combustion. Right. And it, it's that served to make the proof so elusive. I remember some shows where he where he managed to, to photograph the saucers. And, and of course, if he managed to show it to someone else, they were killed and it was destroyed. So it was um, people would be more familiar with the X-Files. And there was there was some of the same X-Files flavor in this where we're usually he may have a, a, a partial victory, but he doesn't win the war. You know, he may win a little battle, but but the, he, he may force the aliens to shut up where they're op- shut down where they're operating, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, but, but you're right about that. In the very first episode, he, he sees this. Uh, sees the ship, the aliens. When he goes back, it's gone. His career's destroyed. Uh, you know, he, he's not believed and he's ridiculed. And, and that's, that's what prompts him to go on the, the crusade from show afterwards. The show lasted two seasons. And to quote Roy Finns, who's still alive, by the way, he said it was a political decision to cancel it. But also just about everything Quinn Martin had on at the time was canceled. He was the producer, Quinn Martin. He also did The Fugitive. Okay. I don't know why shows get canceled. Okay. You guys probably remember this, though. When you say Quinn Martin, that was 
one of those things that I still remember from back from when I was a kid. And like you say, like he produced The Fugitive, I think it was 12 O'Clock High, The FBI, The Streets of San Francisco, and Canon. And he had this announcer that had this very authoritative voice, I think Hank Sims maybe. Uh, you uh, See, you guys are the experts on this, but you know it was like, a Quinn Martin production. And it, right. sounded, and it was like, this is a good show. You just knew it was going to be a good show because yeah. of that announcer. It was, it was very, it was seriously portrayed. I mean, you know what's serious? Serious is to do this break and we got more to come. Quinn Martin. Huh. Wow. Since I heard that name with Gene Randall and Kircher in the Paracast. <laughs> listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for life too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo wants to see the energy of the protests following the in-custody death of George Floyd in Minneapolis put into definitive actions. New York uh, should pass what we call the Say Their Name reform agenda. The proposed law would make police officers' disciplinary records transparent, definitively ban police chokeholds, make false race-based 911 calls a hate crime and codify that the state attorney general must act as an independent prosecutor for all police murder cases. With huge protests in Washington, D.C., the Pentagon told National Guardsmen deployed in the Capitol not to use firearms or ammunition. Also, Defense Secretary Mark Esper ordered the remaining active-duty soldiers who'd been on standby in the D.C. area back to their home base. This is USA Radio News. Former Vice President Joe Biden has formally clinched the Democratic presidential nomination following Tuesday's presidential primaries. Biden took on President Trump over his Rose Garden comments, suggesting George Floyd would think it was a great day in terms of equality. Touting better-than-expected May employment figures, President Trump connected that to George Floyd's death. Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying this is a great thing that's happening for our country. Former Vice President Joe Biden responded to the president. George Floyd's last words, I can't breathe, have echoed all across this nation and quite frankly around the world. For the president to try to put any other words in the mouths of George Floyd, I frankly think is despicable. 
John Hopkins University finds new cases of COVID-19 are now rising faster worldwide. For the past week, there's been over a hundred thousand cases a day. You're listening to USA Radio News. You know what's really smart? Wash your hands frequently, practice social distancing, and stay home if told to do so. You know what's really dumb? To ignore your immune system. Right now, more than ever, your health depends on a strong immune system. The experts at Immunicorp will give you their seven-step guide to immunity for life, free. Why? Because we want you to be smart and healthy. Simply call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunocorp has been producing the world's leading immune system products for more than two decades. To get your free seven-step guide to immunity for life, call 800-446-3063. 800-446-3063. Be smart. Don't ignore your immune system. Your life depends on it. Call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunityforlife.com. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, I'm going to look up who was the announcer for Quinn Martin while you continue talking about him. I was just going to say, you know, the, all those shows, these were serious storylines. The FBI series in particular was based on FBI cases, and it wasn't, it wasn't frivolous. It wasn't like uh, My Favorite Martian where, you know, it was all for laughs and everything. So, it was uh, probably that it was a bit too serious for some people, maybe on the grim side. I think it was a commercial success. I remember some of the things that were the the product tie-ins. There was a there was a saucer model. There was a big little book. There was a comic book series. There was uh, two or three paperback novels based on the show. So it, it had lots of tie-ins. I've got the model actually. I've got I've got the mo- I still have to build it, but I've had it for years, and I've been carrying. Wait, it wait, 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 wait! You still have to build it. Yeah, I, I've been carrying it around with me for years and years, probably 20 years. I've never put the thing together, but I thought it was so cool. I just had to have it. So it's along with all of my other UFO paraphernalia. When you talk about pop culture, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes along with it. There's toys and trinkets and puzzles, and it's in our culture now so fine-grained that I, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't know about the concept of alien visitation. Oh, by the way, the announcer was Hank Sims. Okay. He yeah, also cool. did The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, the Academy Awards, Emmy Awards, Golden Globes. I mean, he worked on a lot of shows. There's several announcers who have that kind of reputation. There's another guy who does the introduction to the Law & Order series. And he's probably spent two minutes doing all the introductions to all the shows, but has continued over hundreds and hundreds of episodes to get a paycheck for that maybe 10 minutes of work. Oh, you remember the, I don't know if they're still using it, James Earl Jones, the throwaway line, this is CNN. I mean, he did that during an interview or something, and they used that for years, and it, it had such power. I mean, what a great voice just to bring UFOs back into it. Played Barney Hill in the TV movie. Oh, cool. Interesting. 
I've got a few like UFO flying saucers comics actually, and and, and some of the uh, Invaders comics. It's just one of those things. I would just collect anything that had to do with UFOs, and and there definitely were comics that featured alien abductions. We have a thread on our forum as well where people can go. Just look up UFO pop culture and clips, and there's all kinds of images including ones from comic books. This one I'm looking at here now. The comic book then was 25 cents. It was a gold key comic. And it's got a picture of a guy being abducted, floated by aliens. It looks like maybe something out of Pascagoula, probably the Pascagoula incident. You know, are they trying to tell us something? Exciting reports of recent encounters. Okay, this is interesting. You want trivia, guys? I'll give you... Stephen Zern Kilton was a U.S. congressman, actually for the Maine House of Representatives, on two separate occasions. Stephen Zern Kilton. What is he known for? The announcer for all the Law & Order series. Wow. He was a representative for the state of Maine for one two-year term, one six-year term. And the guy's still alive, by the way. He was born in 1958. And, but his claim to fame, in addition to all the other stuff he did, was shows produced by Dick Wolf. Hmm. Oh, getting back to those Gold Key comics, they had a long, long series, uh, ran for, well, not as long as Law and Order, say, but from uh, late 60s through uh, late 70s. It's a pretty, pretty respectable run. What was interesting about about that is Gold Key also had the rights to Star Trek, but they only had the rights to, uh, they usually had photo covers, sometimes paintings. They only had rights to use the, the principal characters. So, so once you got away from Kirk and Spock, Spock and McCoy, some of the characters, like Sulu didn't look like Sulu and Uhura didn't look like Uhura. But that was, uh, I think, because they were concerned about this sort of thing when they did their UFO comics, there, some of the storylines were, of course, they were simplified and usually eight pages or less. So there weren't, you know, wasn't fine historical detail. But in broad strokes, it usually told the story pretty well. But the characters never looked correct. And sometimes you would even have uh, Dr. Heineck named, but he looked nothing like himself or, or the Pascagoula witnesses. There was an adaptation of that, and uh, they were unrecognizable. So I think that was probably a directive from the legal department. But I read a lot of those as a kid, and you know they were they were pretty interesting, and they they dealt with. Um, they're, they're actually uh, uh, available if if people want to look them up in the uh, the Internet Archive has copies of them. Um, they're worth worth looking at. Uh, they they cover a, a wide range of cases, type of things, and different ideas. They they're not. It doesn't strictly deal with the extraterrestrial hypothesis. It, it there's some other things. They they had a, a entertaining uh, recurring feature called Hoax Master, who would uh, cover some of the different hoax cases, just to kind of do that for balance to show that you know some of these things, the stories that are told have explanations that are very ordinary. So, um, but 
it, it means a lot to me. It was part of my childhood, so I, I was always excited by it. The, the original one in the 1960s was a double-sized or maybe triple-sized issue that, that sort of told the whole span of UFO history and even had some things about the, you know, that flaming chariots and shields in, in ancient days. And I'd never heard of that before. So some of the some of those concepts that that broadened the UFO topic were that was my introduction to them. Isn't it interesting how a lot of these early stuff, comic books for kids, we thought of, okay, you're a kid, you watch, you have the comic books, you watch the cartoons on TV, and then, of course, you have the comic strips and newspapers. Of course, there aren't that many newspapers anymore, I guess. But it has become fair for adults. You have the graphic comics, which have adult stories. You have comic book movies using words that kids don't use, like remember the Tim Burton version of Batman, which, by the way, is a very good movie. Of course, it's got a lot of overacting from Jack Nicholson. But Michael Keaton, and we all forgot the quirky characters he played, like Beetlejuice and comedy and everything, as Batman, he was really, really good. He was one of the better people to play Batman, I think more compelling than Christian Bale. I mean, more believable, because you look at this guy and you see a troubled soul. More so, I think, than Christian Bale. Christian Bale had the acting chops. Michael Keaton, when he says, I'm Batman, you believe it. And he doesn't have a voice that's so deep you can't understand it. He deepens it somewhat. But that, to me, is just a comment about it. Well, you raise a good point, though, because in in the UFO um, in adaptations of, of whether it's science fiction or UFO movie, so often, like unfortunately in um, uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, you, you don't get superstar actors, and most of the time, science fiction movies and comic movies, uh, Alec Guinness in Star Wars was a big exception. Um, but for the most part, you're getting these people who are soap opera quality actors, which I guess soap opera fans will be mad at me for saying that. But <laughs> not these 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 A-list actors, but the Batman movies proven it. And even some of our science fiction shows from the, the past you know, 10 or 20 years, the Battlestar Galactica, when you had a good cast and production it elevated the material, uh, you know, and you, uh, you know, you weren't worried about the uh, whether or not, you know, a, a, you know, a single spaceship could take on this big, you know, some of the premises um, you could forgive because of the quality of the talent involved. I guess is what I'm trying to say. We have to look up this and we'll get back to a final segment with Kurt Collins with Gene Randall. And, Kurt, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. 
And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. House flies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today. In today's world, violent crime can victimize anyone, anytime. When violent crime confronts you, will you be able to protect yourself and your loved ones? For personal protection training, there's none better than FrontSight, the world's premier firearms training facility near Las Vegas, Nevada. Learn firearm skills from FrontSight's world-class instructors, led by FrontSight's founder and director, Dr. Ignatius Piazza. Whether you're in law enforcement, the military, or a private citizen, after your first firearm training course at FrontSight, you'll leave with skills that surpass 99% of the gun-owning population, guaranteed. And now, you and your family can train at FrontSight free of charge. Yes, free. Go now to frontsite.com slash radio to secure a $2,000 four-day defensive handgun course. Absolutely free with no catch. Enter F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com slash radio. Act now before these free courses are all taken. Secure your free four-day course at frontsite.com slash radio. Frontsite, America's gun training destination. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bowe. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called instantly ageless yeah instantly you could see a difference even the cameraman were like wow look at the difference yeah but i would definitely use this product within minutes of applying it it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Inasmuch as this is the final segment where we're covering pop culture and UFOs and government conspiracies and everything, 
Randall has been sticking there with a trivia question, is it, sir? Yeah, I'm just looking at our forum here where we have our pop culture clips and comics and images. And here's here's a trivia question for you guys. Tell us about what you know about. And, and this is really fun because these old films, they typically seem to have these aliens, you know, with like big heads. And they're always abducting some beautiful woman and taking her off to their ship. And, and they've got this kind of evil grin going. So Invasion of the Saucer Men. Okay. Paul Fairman, he was editor of Amazing Stories after, maybe not directly after Ray Palmer. He wrote that story, and it may have been Forrest G. Ackerman as a as his agent that sold that to film. So it, it was a short story, not long enough for a movie, so they had to pad it out, and they put a lot of humor in there. So you've got, um, uh, okay, who played the Riddler? Frank Gorshin, he, he, not right. He has a role in there, and you can tell he's kind of having some, some fun with that. But what's really neat about that particular movie, you know, it, it's goofy in a lot of ways. It was the first film to deal with the military cover-up. They have mixed emotions at the end of the movie when the saucer explodes because they don't have anything to take back to headquarters. But on the other hand, thank goodness, we don't have <laughs> this isn't laying around for anybody to take a picture of, so <laughs> we can keep this quiet. By the way, Invasion of the Saucermen was part of a double feature. We'd have these double features where the movies were like an hour and 10, 15 minutes. What was the other movie it teamed with? Double feature no. starring Michael Landon. Oh, my God. I was a teenage werewolf. You got it. Oh, I don't believe it. <laughs> that is awesome. You guys are so awesome. I just put this out there. I did. I thought, no way you guys are going to get this. But, Kurt, I am duly impressed. Just some other little fun things. like, And then the Internet hit. Now, do you guys remember back when the Internet was just sort of coming online and we started seeing all of these schwa things going? Remember the schwa the original alien head, you know, with the almond eyes, yeah. done all Banksy style by well, uh, missed, artist Bill Barker. On that, but it was huge, oh, right? Yeah, it was. It was totally huge. There was stickers and posters and and schwa. It was like a huge thing. It just like started appearing. And that was something that was pretty fun. And then there's, of course, the I Want to Believe poster, which made it into the X-Files, right? Yeah, I think that they created that on the um, for the show, but it was based on the Billy Myers ship, which is unfortunate. There were so many other images. They, you know, why, why not the trend photo or something that had at least a little credibility to it? Oh boy! But uh, you mentioned the internet. My first UFO-related thing on the internet, besides you know the pop culture stuff, was looking up the story of Heaven's Gate. It broke in the news. I spent all night on AOL trying to find out more information. Who are these people? What happened to them? What's the story? But, you know, you didn't quite have the 24-hour news cycle then that you could now. I mean, you know, like Twitter, you can get second-by-second uh, you know, second updates on that. But that was, a, that was a, such a strange case. That's an unfortunate crossover. Those folks between pop culture, because they had they referred to them. They were big Star Trek fans and referred to their their mission as the away team and things like that. That sort of like shows you how tragically this can go wrong in the, you know, in in the hands of a charismatic cult leader. Well, that's so true. But I mean, just if we as ufologists 
want to include all of this as part of the subject matter, well, we don't have to take all of it seriously. We could compartmentalize it within its own context. And to me, I still find all of it really fascinating, whether it's the real thing or not. The core subject matter, genuine alien visitation, is still there. But the rest of it can be just a lot of fun. Well, yeah, you know, and it's not just a UFO topic, but there's the reality somewhere, and then there's what, and like a fairy tale version or the Hollywood version or the pulp novel version of it, you know, where, uh, you know, in the real world, usually, like if there's an encounter, it's almost like a like a hit and run. You something, some whether it actually hits or not, but it's like a flyby for a UFO sighting, and that's not dramatic enough for a movie. And then when when something happens in real life, like, oh, you know, whether it's a bin Laden raid or everything, there's so many people involved. One guy gets the intelligence. One guy gives them, you know, assigns a mission. You know, there's a crew involved. But for the James Bond movie, it's one guy. He he gets an assignment. He digs up every useful piece of information. He shoots every bad guy. You know, it's it's a simplified version. And it's it's. Quite distance from any reality that that you know that might have it might have been based on because it, it's you know you've got to have this oh. heroic figure dramatic structure. This this reminds me, and we got to get this in before we run out of time here. There was another one that I used to just love, and it was called UFO. It was a TV series in, in the 70s. I think it was British. Oh, yeah. And they had, like, this base on the moon and these, like, hot chicks with really, like, purple <laughs> hair and stuff. And it yeah. was just so cool. I, I just loved that show, right? And some of the episodes were actually really good. I remember there was this one about where this UFO had come down and it landed in the water. It had gone into this river and all the animals were totally spooked and bad things were happening. And they were trying to figure out where it was. I'll tell you a couple of nerdy things about that. Uh, Jerry Anderson, who did Fireball XL5, and he did things with the marionettes. And this was, I think, his first live action show. And it was great. The, so the premise was they hid their their anti-alien hunters in a movie studio, which was actually done because it was cheaper than buying, you know, building a set. I mean, they already had this there. They could just film it. And, and the aliens were very mysterious. They had the, the ships were almost uh, like upside down bowls. They were more dome shaped and silvery, but they were very sinister. And there was there was lots of action. Oh, and a couple of ufologists were on the show. Frank Strangest yeah, opened one episode. Uh, some of it's on YouTube, and it, it's called, but yeah, UFO, and the organization was called Shadow. What was it called? Alien Defense Organization, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was awesome. I just love that stuff. There are so many shows we can talk about that had their runs on TV. Some even were done by sci-fi writers, at least some of it, but died because they were the recordings they were done live, and the recordings were made with something called kinescope, where they actually film a TV set. And like Captain Video, there are very, very few episodes out there of hundreds they did. It was a at the beginning like a 15- or 30-minute show every day done live. And some sci-fi writer was looking for some money would write the scripts for it. Captain Video, all that stuff from the past that's not recoverable. Kurt Collins, where do we find more of your stuff? Which is recoverable? (laughs) 
the saucers that time forgot and blue blurry lines. Hey, just Google it. You don't have to remember where it is. We've got links over at the Paracast forums where he, Kurt is an occasional presence. I just love what he does. And he told me before we started, I don't think I have anything new to talk about. Yeah, right. He always does. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Check out branded, official branded merchandise for the Paracast at theparacast.shop. That's theparacast.shop. We also have limited presence on Facebook. There are a couple of places there where you can find us. And we have the Paracast Plus. And the Paracast Plus is version of this show, free of the network ads, plus the after the Paracast podcast. And this weekend, we have a return visit by Katina Kyle. And she'll join us for after the Paracast with more fascinating paranormal chatter. She's really a great guest. And she'll be on next week's regular show, next week's regular episode of the Paracast. So you're going to want to hear that. To get after the Paracast, though, you got to subscribe to the Paracast Plus. You get, as I say, a version of the show free of the network ads, all for low subscription prices, 40% discounts. Go to the Paracast.plus. Once again, the Paracast.plus. Okay? So we'll hear from K-Town Katina Kyle on After the Paracast this week. Kurt Collins, thank you for having something new to say and joining us on the Paracast. Oh, thanks. It was fun. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.